Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue with our study of the second book of Kings, that is Malachim Bet, chapter 6, that's Perak Vav. We are currently at uh, verse 24, that is Pasuk Chav Dalid. And we just read of the uh, attempted uh, attempt by the king of Aram to kidnap and presumably execute Elisha. But instead of that happening, Elisha ended up leading them to Shomron and giving the POW some food and drink and sending them back home. And because of his treatment, we ended with the verse stating that that the raiding parties of Aram stopped doing all of these cross-border raids into the land of Israel. And verse 24 starts, with apparently that peace was short-lived because by he Acharekain, it was after that event, Acharekain here gives the sense that it was a, a bit of time. In other words, they earned some peace, but it didn't last that long. And Vayikbots ben Hadad melacharom et kol machanehu, ben Hadad, the king of Aram, gathered up his entire army and he laid siege to the city of Shomron, the city of Samaria. So, uh, this is a serious, obviously very serious situation. And because of the siege, verse 25, there was a terrible famine in the city of Shomron. <coughs> and they were, um, the siege was laid upon it, Adheyos, until the point where food was so scarce that Rosh Hamar, the head of a donkey, <coughs> which is obviously not uh, that much uh, to eat in the head of a donkey, and it's not even a food that people generally eat, but people were so desperate that the head of a donkey cost Shmonim Kesef 80 pieces of silver. Virova HaKav Div Yonim Bachamisha Kesef. And you can buy a quarter cob, some measurement of pigeon dung for five pieces of silver. Presumably the pigeon dung was used for fuel, according to some of the commentaries. Others assume they were actually eating it because they were so desperate. Some say that there may have been uh, kernels of grain in there, but regardless, this is how dire the situation was, and that's the point of the verse. The king of Israel was... Uh, Passing over the walls, he was walking presumably on the ramparts of the city walls. Presumably he was reviewing the city's defenses and the state of the siege. And a woman, presumably from inside the city, cried out to the king, Save me, save me, or help me, my master the king. As we've seen many times before, this is a common practice in those days, people were generally able to approach the king with their troubles, especially their disputes for the king's judgment. And we'll see in a minute, this was a very tragic and awful dispute that she wanted the king to uh, deliberate between her and her, uh, her or the friend or person she was arguing with. Vayomer al Adonai, should not God be the one that helps you? May I and Oshiech, from where can I help you? Should I get you some food from the granary or from the wine press? It's kind of like saying in a situation where you're out in the 
in the desert and someone asks you for help, you say, where am I going to go? To the supermarket. There's nothing out here, right? I can't help you. What do you want from me? Because he assumed that she was asking him for food. And obviously, he couldn't help with that. So the king says to her, what is it that, what's bothering you? What's the problem? Tell me the details. And this woman said, I'm sorry, and she said, this woman told me, in other words, a certain woman, right? She said to me, Give me your son and let's eat him today. And my son will eat tomorrow. Whether this means they were going to, or they did kill their children and eat them, or maybe the child was already dead, and they, but they were saving the meat of their own children for, to cannibalize them. The, the thought is, makes one shudder with, 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 with horror and, and disgust, which is obvious, but this is the situation that the people had, had come to, and this is how desperate the situation was. The next verse, and this woman said, let's, let's do it, your son today, my son tomorrow. So we cooked my son and we ate him. And I said to her on the next day, Let's take your son. But she hid him, rather than have us consume him together. So the king, of course, is completely horrified on so many levels. So when the king heard, he immediately tore his garments. And at this time, he was standing um, on the walls. So it was a place in public people could see him. Which is why she was able. She saw him. He's not in the in his palace or anything. And everyone saw the people saw him. And underneath his royal garments was sackcloth from mourning over what was happening. We're getting the image, despite the fact that we are constantly being shown the image of the king as being a, a, a murderous and idolatrous and evil king. We see here that he was clearly involved in some form of repentance, some form, and certainly uh, was suffering along with his people. We get a little bit of a glimpse of his complex personality. His immediate reaction here, though, was pretty strong. So this, so God should do to me, and so He shall continue to do to me. If the head of Elisha, the son of Shaphat, stays on his shoulders, in other words, I am going to execute Elisha. Now, what's what's? Why is he saying this? Well, if we think of this in context of what we studied together in the last podcast, right? The king wanted to kill the enemies, right? He wanted to kill the the enemy soldiers. Right? When they were there. Elisha was the one who said, no, let's try a different path. Let's try a path of peace. They're POWs now. Let's, let's uh, give them food and drink and send them back to Aram. The king is therefore angry, terribly angry, that, that, um, that Elisha acted that way. How, why was he trying to make peace with these guys? And look the situation, what they brought us to. Look where we are now. Look how bad we are now. Right? In other words, Elisha's path of peacemaking, and we find this often, and I'm not going to specify what the parallels are because I don't want to sound too political 
but in modern times, we see this all the time. Somebody tries to make peace, and then there ends up breaking out war, and everyone points fingers at the other one. And, and, the, and the one side of the uh, political aisle yells at the other one, see, look where your peacemaking brought us. And that's, that's like what the king is saying here in verse 31. Now, this is something that was being seen by the public, right? We just said it was happening completely out in the public. And obviously, the word of this came to Elisha himself, especially given what the king had just said about Elisha. But Elisha, Yoshev Bibeso, Elisha was sitting in his house. And the elders uh, were sitting with him. The elders, presumably, these are king's advisors. So, um, and Elisha now looks like the bad guy. Before a messenger came from the king, presumably this was a messenger the king was sending to get Elisha, to have him executed, as he said. But he sent someone out before that messenger got there. And he said to the, uh, to the elders that were there, Have you seen seen that this that that murderous king that murderer sent his messenger to take off my head ru i want you to see and and take take uh, you know take my command when that messenger comes from the king sigru hadelet close the door in front of him and hold the door shut close, tight so that he can't get in, presumably. Because I'm sure that he's, the messenger he's sending, that the king himself is following right behind him. So in other words, we have this image now. Elisha tells the elders to hold the door sh- tight shut because the messenger is coming and the king is coming after him with the goal of taking off Elisha's head. While he was still talking with them and telling them this, the Malach, the messenger, was already coming to him by Yomer. And he said, This terrible disaster came from God. What more can I hope from God at this point? Now this statement leaves us with several difficulties. The primary issue is it doesn't make it clear from the verse who's the one doing the talking, right? It says Elisha was talking and he was, uh, he was talking to the elders. While he's talking to the elders, the Malach comes to him, Vayomer, and he said, who's the he? Is the he Elisha saying this? Well, let's look at it that way. If it was Elisha saying this, Behold, this evil has come from God. How can I hope from more from him? It just doesn't sound like it, Elisha. Um, it, if that would be the case, then the prophet would be saying that I have nothing to do. I have nothing left to do. Um, uh, you know, why would I pray to him anymore? So it doesn't sound like Elisha. And none of the commentaries really take that path. But the other two possible people here are the Melech, the king, right? Because remember, the king is following right behind him. They're both coming together. And the other possibility is the Malach, is the, is the um, messenger. So let's take uh, the, the, the path that the Mitsudos takes, and, and that is that it's the Malach talking, right? 
that it's the messenger talking. And then he understands that what he's saying is like this, right? The malach, and, and the other question is not only who's talking, but who is he talking to, right? It says Vayomer, and he said, but it, it says he, it doesn't say who he is, and it doesn't say who he is talking to. So the Metsudos understands it that it's the malach talking, and that the malach is talking to the malach, presumably because the door is closed shut tight. So he can't be talking to Elisha, or maybe he could be through the door, but he's really talking to the malach. And what is he saying? He says to the king, right, um, this terrible evil, right, is coming from God, right? You're asking me to kill Elisha, right? If I killed Elisha, right, how could we even go pray to God even further, right? If I killed God's prophet himself, you expect me, you know, you want us to do something to save the people, right? You're asking me to kill Elisha. How could I kill Elisha if this is coming from God, right? And then I killed God's prophet. It's only going to make it worse. That's Matsudas' way of understanding it, that it's the Malach talking to the Melech, the messenger talking to the king. Another way of understanding it is that it's the Malach talking, but this is the uh, Abarbanel explains it this way, but it's the Malach talking to Elisha, right? Presumably through the door. And what the, the, the messenger is then saying to Elisha is, this evil is coming from God, how could I pray to God? In other words, because he understood if it's coming from some other source, right, then we can ask that other source to change their mind. But if it's coming from God, how do we change their mind? And in other words, this person is really asking Elisha for guidance in how, in how does one ask God to change his mind, so to speak, assuming that that's even possible, right? Um, on one level, uh, if you look at it from a Maimonidean perspective, we can't change God's mind at all by our behavior. If you look at it from a non-Maimonidean, less rationalistic perspective, then, then he just doesn't understand the concept of prayer and praying to God to ask him to change. And that would be then the purpose of this exchange. And a third approach would be that it's the melech talking. And this is the approach the Radak takes, right? That the king is the one saying this. And this is really the most, uh, I think, the most profound, the most beautiful one of the understandings that that I've mentioned, and that is because if you think about it, if it's the king talking, then who's he talking to? He's talking to everyone, anyone who's standing around. He's just stating this, Vayomer, and he says, not directed to any particular person, this evil is coming from God. Why would I hope any more from God? In other words, I was wearing sackcloth. I was praying. I was repenting. I was doing what I was supposed to do. I'm trying to defend the city and help the people. But look to the level to which it has sunk. Why would I even bother praying to him anymore? I'm done. I'm through. And the king, if by the king saying this, I'm done and I'm through, I've done everything I can, that's why he's ready to take out his anger on Elisha. So these are some understandings of exactly what's going on in this last verse. This concludes the chapter uh, chapter 6. The next chapter, when we study together chapter 7, we're going to hear Elisha's response and um, and we'll learn of the way out of this terrible disaster. Thank you so much for studying together with me, Chapter 6. Looking forward to studying Chapter 7 and the rest of this uh, book together. And, of course, everyone have a wonderful day.